This is the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast, Episode 4, Differentiation, and the 1975 Tequila Sunrise Houston Astros. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast. I'm John Hartwell. I am the brains and pencil behind Hartwell Studio Works. I'm a sports brand designer in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is for front office personnel who want to harness the power of sports branding to win more fans. So the Houston Astros have won their first World Series title in their 55-year history, As a Texas expatriate, I am thrilled to know that the Commissioner's Trophy has finally come home to the Lone Star State. I know that it would make my grandfather and my dear friend J.J. Baskin very happy. Before winning the World Series, the Strohs were known for a few things, including playing in the world's first domed stadium, the Astrodome. They were known for power pitcher, native Texan, and future Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan. And they were known, of course for the Tequila Sunrise Rainbow Uniforms of 1975. The Rainbow Uniforms were groundbreaking, trend-setting, and heretical all at the same time. They broke all the rules of baseball convention. The Astros wore the Rainbow Uniforms from 1975 to 1986 and a variation of it through 1993. Paul Lucas of UniWatch and ESPN wrote a really great article about the untold story of the creation of those uniforms. I've put a link to that story in this episode's show notes, and it's a great read. I highly recommend that you check it out. You can find those show notes by going to the podcast page at hartwellstudioworks.com and clicking on episode four. What struck me about that story was how closely the impetus for that uniform design lines up with the sports branding imperatives I laid out in the first three episodes of this podcast. In particular, the need to understand your why and how that why drives your need for differentiation. You know, it's it's interesting. In 1975, sports branding as a discipline obviously wasn't really a thing. But marketing a sports team certainly was. And it's neat to see the roots of today's branding process in sports marketing examples from, you know, 42 years ago. So let's start by talking about the why behind these uniforms. Radical departures from the norm, you know, never happen in a vacuum. It's not like the Astros woke up one morning in late 1974 and said, you know, just for the heck of it, uh, let's create a uniform that will cause the entire baseball world to freak out and melt down. Man, that'll be great. <laughs> no, the why in this case is a pretty straightforward business need. Lucas interviewed a number of the key players involved in the uniform design, in particular to Gary Rollins, who ran the Astros' radio and TV networks in the 1970s. He was responsible for selling ad sponsorships for the networks. Rollins explains what prompted the creation of the uniform in this quote. He said, Quote, we were in severe financial trouble and very close to being bankrupt. Also, we had a pretty bad ball club. Team owner Judge Hoffines wanted to put a new face on everything. He wanted something that would look uniquely special. Unquote. Sports is a business, 
and the business need the Astros were facing in 1974 was avoiding bankruptcy. In order to avoid bankruptcy, the Astros' need was pretty clear and pretty simple. They needed to draw and they needed to hold the attention and interest of more fans. Some things in sports never change. The Houston office of ad agency McCann Erickson was tasked with the assignment of creating the new uniform. Rollins is further quoted as saying, McCann wasn't just tasked with creating a new uniform, but a new kind of uniform. You'll recall in our previous episode, episode three, I talked about the severity of the why, dictating the level of change a brand might need. How much your needle needs to move depends on what's driving the need for change. With a bad on-field product and an organization on the verge of bankruptcy, I think it's fair to say that the Astros in 1974 were looking at a flat line. And as I described in episode three, they were in need of burning down the house in order to create something more exciting for their fans. To get the job done, McCann brought in a local design freelancer, Jack Amuni, to do the actual design of the uniform. Now, Jack was a sports guy. He loved baseball. And I think it's worth noting that his preference here was to be conservative, to do something like putting the Astros in familiar baseball pinstripes. Gary Rollins shared this same conservative impulse, favoring the look of the Tigers, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals as the way a team ought to look. I'll suggest right here that this is a really good example of where understanding the why drives the level of differentiation. Don't get me wrong, it is certainly appropriate to consider the design conventions of a particular sport. Our expectation of what baseball looks like is different from what we expect football to look like, and different from what we expect basketball to look like, and so forth. To put the Astros in pinstripes would have certainly moved them towards the expected in regards to baseball aesthetics. To be more conservative would have been a safe play. It would have validated a relatively new team with a classic baseball look. But the why in this instance did not call for safe or expected. The Astros needed to create a sense of immediate excitement in order to get fans to pay attention to the team. They intuitively understood that because of the urgency of the business problem, the team needed to make a bold statement. They intuitively understood the need for differentiation. Again, Rollins makes it clear that he understood what was at stake with this task. As much as he would have preferred an old-fashioned look, he knew he couldn't worry about that. He said, quote, We had a lousy baseball team, and my job was to sell the TV and radio sponsorships, and those uniforms were a great attention-getting device. Unquote. And it got attention. Jesse Caesar, the McCann creative director who oversaw the uniform project, said that when the uniform was finally revealed in 1975, it instantly became the most polarizing design in baseball. Some people loved it, others hated it, but nobody could ignore it. Nobody could ignore it. Which is exactly the point. Differentiation is supposed to get a brand noticed. 
I've also included in the show notes some examples of team uniforms from 1975 to get an idea for what the Major League Baseball world looked like at that time. Even with the A's and the White Sox and the Braves starting to push the envelope of accepted baseball convention, it's pretty clear that the Astros with these rainbow uniforms just blew the doors right off of that convention. But they blew the doors off for a reason. On the verge of bankruptcy, on the verge of going out of business, the Astros needed something, anything, to get their fans interested and excited about the team. Creating a new kind of uniform got the team the attention they wanted. And more to the point, it got them the attention they needed. So what was the result of this exercise in blowing up expected baseball conventions? Well, if, if you were expecting a big turnaround in on-field success, I hate to tell you, that didn't happen. In fact, the Astros' 1975 season was their worst season yet. They went 64-97 and with one tie, and they had a 398 winning percentage. Not exactly what I'll bet they were hoping for. But it is a truth that marketing and branding have no bearing on on on-field performance. Logos do not pitch fastballs. Uniform designs do not hit home runs. What marketing and branding does do, however, is help keep the fans' attention in winning seasons, and more to the point, in not-so-winning seasons. Which is exactly what the groundbreaking slash heretical slash never-before-seen rainbow uniforms did for the Houston Astros. The business need for the Astros going into the 1975 season was to, quite simply, not go bankrupt. 42 years later, I think we can safely conclude that they indeed did not go out of business. They survived the 1975 season, and they lived to play another day. Which was the entire point. So in a very real way, mission accomplished. In fact, Gary Rollins is quoted as saying that in the 75 season, the Astros sold out their radio and TV ad sponsorships earlier than they'd ever done before. Clearly, they were onto something in regards to getting people's attention. Tal Smith, who took over as GM late in the 1975 season, noted that when he arrived that August, the team had a lot to do from a marketing standpoint. They were in the midst of their worst season ever, and the distinctive, eye-catching, flashy rainbow uniform was an important part of those marketing efforts. So the rainbow uniforms were a bold, anything-goes effort to help capture the attention of a disinterested market and keep the team afloat. I think it is worth noting that after rebrands in 1994 and 2000, in which the team changed up logos and colors both times, they came back to the original orange and blue in 2013, and they even pay homage to those rainbow uniforms in their alternate jerseys today. It's fair to say that in 42 years, the rainbow uniforms have gone from being shocking and audacious to iconic and authentic. They are emblematic of the Astros franchise and have set a design standard that today is widely adopted in the baseball world. Check out some of the examples in Paul Lucas's column. They're pretty amazing. The rainbow uniforms are a great case study 
for understanding that differentiation is not about being different for the sake of being different, but being different for the sake of solving business problems and ultimately winning more fans. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast. I hope you found it helpful and that you'll be able to use these thoughts on differentiation in your efforts to win more fans. If you would, subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and help other sports professionals find this podcast. If you'd like to talk about any of the information I've presented here in this episode, you can reach out to me by email at john at hartwellstudioworks.com. You can also follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram using the handle Hartwell Studio. And you can check out my entire portfolio of sports branding work at hartwellstudioworks.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.